Welcome to the All Around Joe Podcast, where we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. In this podcast, I am stoked to get to talk with my man, Joe Wardigan. We're going to cover training, CrossFit teams, class prep. Uh, We prep as athletes and as coaches. It's good stuff. Talking with Joe is always fantastic, but before I jump right into this conversation, I want to make sure and talk about my partners. The first one I want to talk about is Whoop at WHOOP.com. The Whoop strap is an always-on activity tracker that I wear all the time. What it does is it gives me a score telling me whether or not I should train or whether or not I should train hard or train easy. It's basically a red, yellow, or green system where I can wake up in the morning and see exactly how recovered my body is. So if it's yellow, I might do an intermediate style, not super intense workout. If it's green, I might do like three workouts in one day. And if it's red, I might take the day off. If you're a hard charger like me, or you just don't really know how to read your body, this is a great, great tool for you to have. And if you go to whoop.com, you can use the code allaroundjoe and get yourself a hundred bucks off a whoop strap. Highly recommend it. Pretty much everybody on my competition team is using the whoop strap right now. It's just more data helps you to better plan your recovery, which will help you to better get those gains. Yeah, yeah. All right, the other company that I want to talk about, the other partner is Inside Tracker, insidetracker.com. If you use the code allaroundjoe, you can get yourself 10% off your Inside Tracker package. I always get the ultimate package. In fact, I do about two of them a year, one every six months, just to make sure that my blood work is in line. It also, what it does is so cool. It correlates what your blood markers are with nutrition and supplements that you should be taking. And to be honest with you, I thought I was super in tune before I started doing this uh, this testing, but I had no idea what I was doing. So if you want to get ahead, if you want to be at your optimal performance, I highly recommend that you utilize Inside Tracker or some sort of blood testing. If you decide to go with Inside Tracker, use the code All Around Joe, get yourself 10% off. Let me know if you have any questions. I'm happy to help. All right, let's do this. Here is Joe Ward. We're going to get started right now. Okay, welcome to another edition of the All Around Joe podcast with Joe Bauer and Joe Ward. What's up, Joe Ward? What's up? It's good to see you again. Yeah, I was just teasing Joe before we hopped on the uh, the call here about how it looks like he's promoting Starbucks and Progenics. Got to make sure that sleeve is pointed in the right direction the whole time. There we go. The question is, do you have Progenics in your coffee right now? I don't, actually. Um, that- I had a pretty Progenics-heavy breakfast yesterday. Me and my, my partner, Mary Rose, we've been shoving down those hot cakes that, that, that they sell lately. They're just so good. If you've never tried them, this is I a haven't. nice little quick advertisement. Progenics okay. hot cakes. They are so good. I know we that got I- like a tiny waffle maker. Yeah. And we've just been tossing that in with a little bit of coffee grounds and a little bit of PB smash. Really it's been good. Oh yeah. It's been good. Wow. I have to give we, it a shot. We've been getting crazy. <laughs> that does sound good. I mean, my favorite coffee is uh, coffee with a half a scoop of progenic smash in it. So I'm, I'm going to have to try that. You haven't tried that? Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh man, yeah, that like, that's the best. <laughs> it is wonderful. I don't know how people live their life without that. I don't know, just something about like peanut butter in my c- coffee. I don't know if I can handle that. 
You know, yeah, it's it sounds it's not a weird. common mix. <laughs> no, it sounds weird, but it's like once you try it, you will you will not go back. So it's like I put All PB right. Smash in my coffee. I put PB Smash with my um, in my green shake. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. So highly recommend Noted. people try it. Noted. It's the best one. But uh, yeah, guys, just so you have an idea, I just want to have Joe back on the podcast here because Joe and I always have fun conversations that it would be interesting for other people to listen to. I mean, Joe's been, how long have you been a, a CrossFit coach now, Joe? Uh, since 2015. So okay. since 2015, what is that? Almost two years or so? Two years. Going on three. Yeah, going on three years, quite a bit of time. And Joe's just like a really really interesting thinker. So it's always fun to hear about his thought process. And uh, he recently moved from being an intern slash coach at our CrossFit gym at Stoneway CrossFit yep. all the way down to California. So it's not that far down. I only went like halfway <laughs> down the West coast, but I'm in the Northern half of California right now. So yeah. it's not too far. No. And I'm actually headed down there in that direction tonight. So that's right. Yeah, on the move, on the move. So we'll see how that goes. Although uh, I hear that there's some snow that we're going to hit in like Oregon slash Northern California area. That's probably true. But as soon as you get past Shasta, you'll be fine. You won't yeah. see snow ever again. Right. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So, uh, yeah, I just had a couple of topics for us to talk about today, but uh, we'll see where this conversation goes. And if you see me looking over to the side, that's because I've got my iPad over there with all my notes. Yep, I don't have a Starbucks coffee or Progenics, unfortunately, but uh, that's all right. <laughs> I don't you have can, an iPad either. <laughs> <laughs> you can hold that one up. Um, so, just, you know, as a, a general topic starter, is a uh, any interesting breakthroughs or, or insights in your training lately? Interesting insights or breakthroughs in my training. Actually, I would say probably the biggest thing is, I think I mentioned this to you a while back, but it was actually this past Saturday, I spent my day at the Aromas Ranch right, in, right o- yeah. over here. Um, so it was really, really cool to kind of see see that whole spiel that whole area it kind of feels like a museum at this point in all honesty does it um yeah it's weird like this just it's just super dusty super dirty but it's great super <laughs> his, super historic um but while i was there i actually did i did a new certificate certification through crossfit on flexibility okay and that actually had a huge impact on just the way i think of warming up and joint rotations and dynamic stretching versus static. Uh, I think you and I have obviously talked about that a lot. A lot of folks kind of fall in love with static stretching, Um, but dynamic is a lot more like the hot button topic right now, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was really, really cool. So a lot of the stuff that we focused on was like uh, what – what exercises or what can people do? What can coaches do for their athletes to get the most bang for their buck? Because okay. obviously people are looking for a wider range of motion in CrossFit, whether they're a master's athlete or they're a brand new athlete. Um, but we fall in love with the idea of if we sit in a lunge for an hour, 
we're going to open up those hips <laughs> when that's not the case. Right. Um, and so it was really cool. And that's actually probably been the biggest thing I've implemented into my training right now is simply looking at what are some areas that I could definitely gain more range of motion in mm-hmm. and how can I use those new tactics I learned there, whether it's isometric training or PNF. I don't remember what PNF stands for. It's something long and scientific, but it's the whole idea of when you, when you hold a stretch and then you contract the opposite m- muscle and then after 10 seconds of contracting that opposite muscle, you're able to fall a good like four to five inches further into a stretch. And that's just taking advantage of our central nervous system, basically tricking it into sure. opening up our hips and our joints and stuff. And so it's been, it's been weird probably the, 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 the past week since I've been back, just like figuring that out. How do I warm up my joints more intentionally? And the way you could feel it, like if you do an air squat without doing any warming up or any joint rotations at all, then all of a sudden, even if I'm doing stuff with like my ankle, I'm just like doing little ankle circles beforehand, doing some knee circles, doing some hip openers. Like even if you just spend like 10 reps on everything, the air squat feels like night and day. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't do that as often as we should. Sure. <laughs> it's crazy. And so it's been, it's, it's been huge. I think that's been the biggest thing is we don't realize how the small things that have a compounding effect long-term, even if we just do angle circles every day for right. the next 30 days, it's kind of like compounding interest. All of a sudden your ankles are so much more loose yeah. <laughs> every time you go into train, every time you go into a front squat or, or a, a back squat, little small things like that. Kind of yeah. like, did they talk at all about like hypermobility, like the idea of, you being better at a back squat if your mo if your range of motion stops right at the appropriate time rather than if it goes all the way through. Yeah, and so one of the biggest things that popped up in that conversation the whole day was the whole idea of um, being flexible and having the range of motion that's enough mm-hmm. for CrossFit. Okay. Um, you know, if you can get into a proper air squat without hyperextending or overextending your spine. You know, I'm sure we've seen people that do the butt wink or or they actually call it the the pooping dog. (laughs) And I was like, that's a great one to use as a coach. Um, You're doing the pooping dog today. (laughs) When when you're going way too low and that butt's on the ground. Um, But it's really good in terms of like, no, because range of motion beyond what's needed for our sport is kind of can be seen as, just trying to be a, a contortionist. Like you sure. don't have to be able to do the splits to be able to be effective in the long term to push off of the nursing home in the long term to do an overhead squat in the long term. Okay. Um, so it's a matter of just how do you get people flexible enough mm-hmm. versus the exotic stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. And yeah, I mean, the, the reason I ask is there's something to be said about like having the appropriate range of motion. Yeah. And if you actually have more range of motion than you need. You're at a higher risk for injury usually, actually. Yeah. And not, well, not only that, you, you, your performance level usually dips because mm-hmm. some of the, a good example is some of the best or fastest marathon runners in the world mm-hmm. If you ask them to bend over and stretch their hamstrings, they have zero range of motion. Yeah. But the thing is, they don't have to have a lot of flexibility in their hamstrings. And in fact, they don't. To do because, what they're doing there, yeah. Yeah, if you think of just like picking up your knees 
over and over again for a couple of hours, having that limited range of motion actually gives you a little stretch reflex at that position. Yeah. You know, so you're getting extra extra boost. Super interesting just in terms of that whole idea because we just all, we see people that can do the splits. We see people that can do incredible back bends and stuff, but a lot of it's like, what do you need just to be functional and hit these movements safely? Because I think one of the biggest things I've even seen um, at the gym that I'm currently coaching up here is a lot of folks are super flexible and they, they all kind of do the hyper extension in the squat and they all kind of do a little pooping dog. And so I'm always going to tell me like, stop, I want you to squat less and stay tight more right? because <laughs> you lose all that, all that tension is gone when you get all the way down there and stuff. And so I think one of the funniest things is that, that they had brought up at the seminar was apparently there's a video. I don't know if you've seen it. It went viral this past month about a, a girl that was doing a split jerk and she was so fl- so flexible that when she went for her split jerk, she actually fell into the splits. I saw that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, kind of the whole idea of like, we don't need to work on her mobility as much no. as you'd think. I'm pretty sure that just, was at CrossFit Industrious too. Was it really? I think so. Yeah. I didn't see it. And we, we just talked about it and I was like, that just blows my mind, but it makes sense in terms of like for the stuff that we're doing specifically in CrossFit and just being functional enough Yep. If the body has a little over or, you know, we're beyond that range of what we need, there's a higher risk for our body to fall into that. Yeah. I can't even imagine what that would feel like going for a split jerk and ending up on the floor. Oh, man. That was pretty the- crazy. Yeah. I'll try and put that in the show notes at allaroundjoe.com slash 112 if people want yeah, to be great. take a look at that. <laughs> Yeah, because it it was interesting. I remember watching it and being like, why are you showing me this video? And then going like, oh, <laughs> like my body would break if that happened, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. So it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a counterintuitive way of thinking of mobility. Yeah. How do we be, how do we be, how do we have the, the range of motion that's deemed in, enough for the movements that we do enough for the functional fitness that transfers over to every everyday life without increasing um, risk of injury for that exotic factor of, Hey, I can do the splits (laughs) or yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. uh, Something interesting that I've kind of found in my training that I can share with people is that uh, uh, the idea of, of over breathing actually. And I don't remember if, if we've talked about this or not, but uh, I'm taking the newest Wim Hof training course right now. And there's a whole section in endurance on it and how to breathe for endurance and and basically get more oxygen to your cells as you're working. And the idea behind it is like, let's say that you're on the air bike and you're cranking. And we usually don't, don't think about breathing anything, any more than just like, all right, my body needs oxygen. So I'm breathing at the rate at which it is asking me to breathe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But what you can do and what I've found to be really beneficial is if you actually think about over breathing, so breathing at a faster rate than what you think you're, or than what your body is asking you to do. Interesting. Just a little bit. And it's interesting because what I found is that I feel less taxed, less exhausted, less exhausted. Yeah. Probably able to keep going at a higher pace for a little bit longer too. It's weird. 
Yeah. Cool. So I recommend giving that a, a shot for anybody that's looking to feel yeah. a little bit better on, and it works on, you know, the air bike or running or, you know, yeah. pretty much anything that you can, if you can get yourself to over breathe, yeah. then it, it feels weird at first though. It feels like, wow, I'm having to work <laughs> a little bit extra, but you know, it feels like less work to actually breathe more than it does to have to yeah. crank on that bike a little bit more. So yeah. Cause it's probably cause you're getting a lot more oxygen in. Yep. Yeah, it's cool. And getting more oxygen is key. Yeah. So good stuff. And then also as it relates to the air bike, for anybody that wants to get better at that, I've noticed that, uh, and I actually heard, overheard Cody Anderson at a recent competition talking about this, so I stole it from him. And he was saying that if you have an air bike comp or you know workout that you're doing, the key is to get your RPMs up as fast as you can. So to sprint, Mm-hmm. to the point where you have a, a semi sustainable for like, let's say 10 seconds or, okay. you know, as long as you can. But for example, let's say like if I max out my, my RPMs on the bike, I can get up to like 105. Uh-huh. Right. So if I'm going to have to do 15 calories on the bike, if I crank up really hard, really fast at the, at the start up to a hundred or more, uh-huh. then I can coast to 15 calories <laughs> and I don't know about you, but the air bike has always been my arch nemesis where it's like, oh, Holy I smokes. I it agree. feels like it I'm always... on here forever. <laughs> yeah, no, and, it's, it's the worst. And then you see, you know, guys like Rasmus Anderson just did 50 calories in like 19 seconds. And yeah. like, how in the heck did that just happen? And it, it does, it is way easier if you, Give a little bit more effort, spike your RPMs early, and then uh-huh. let them cruise on out. Uh, so give that a Interesting. shot. Interesting. I'm going to have to. Try it. Yeah, it, it's it makes, funny, actually, it makes we, life easier. We had an assault bike workout at my gym last week, and it, it, was, a, it was a great chipper, but the buy-in was a 90 calories on the assault bike. And so on average, you know, most of our athletes were able to do that between like eight to 12, 13 minutes or so. But I think one of our fastest athletes that we even saw, he, he was able to crank out, like he's a big guy too. He was able to crank out 90 calories and like four Oh five flat. And like for us, we were like, (laughs) so I can't even imagine the whole idea of like, if he was, if he was able to spike it up higher sooner, how much quicker would he have been able to do that too? Yeah. And I've seen some good athletes at recently at competitions that if they have a large number of calories like that, mm-hmm. they'll spike it up, right? Let's say that they'll spike yeah. it up for like 20 or 30 calories. Yeah. Then they'll relax for a while and then they'll spike uh-huh. it up again after they've recovered and they'll go through this cycle of up and down in the RPMs. And Interesting crushing it essentially i mean because you have to ask yourself the question if you have to do 90 is it better to just hold it at your max pace which maybe is like i don't know 70 or something like that or is it better to pop up to 100 you know for 20 calories cruise down for 30 seconds pop up to 100 again right like think of it as an interval yeah so maybe you're gaming the system a little bit that way yeah something to think about but uh think about one another thing I want to talk with you about today is is what you think about the uh, CrossFit decision 
to go from six person teams to four person teams? And have you thought about that at all? Yeah, yeah. No, I have actually thought about that. I was actually listening to, I don't know if you listened to the podcast by Misfit Athletics, but they actually had a podcast on this announcement as well. I think it was earlier this week. And they brought up a point that I completely just it resonated with me in terms of bringing it down from six to four, I think is going to revitalize the teams in gyms throughout the entire, throughout the entire country, throughout the entire world, just because I feel like four people is so much more enticing than six. Mm-hmm. There's always like, whether or not people want to admit it or not, I feel like, every team has always had like that third person being like a weak link. <laughs> and like, you, you know what I mean? Like if you have one person, like whether it's a male or a female and they're not as up to par with the, uh, the other two on the team, they got a nice little way to like coast to regionals or coast to the games. Yeah. But at the same time, for those that are super competitive, I think if you're able to just, it's so much easier to find one other male or female at your, at your athletic ability and being able to crush it because it will feel more like two partners mm-hmm. in a workout versus having to navigate three. I just think there's going to be a lot more excitement around that. I mean, I, I can think of so many gyms that if you just take the top two men, top two f- females at every gym, yeah. like there's just a lot more potential there Mm -hmm. i don't know what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean i agree with you in that it's there's a couple of things right it it makes it more interesting because of Mm -hmm. like the partner thing it's much easier to be like hey joe you and i are workout partners we work out all the time together and that makes sense Mm -hmm. that you know we're going to be the top two guys and and Mm -hmm. go and do that and figure out the top two females as well and there's it's easier like you said to have that training camaraderie in that yeah. in that situation um at the same time though i feel like it's going to also make it that much harder because the scores are going to be that much more important mm-hmm. you know if yeah. you had like you said that third person you know, it's hard to find three good guys and three good girls, uh-huh. put them together on a team. And you can, if you can do that, then you could, you could always play the numbers and be like, well, I need, you know, these particular scores and it's going to slide yeah. me in because you just have that, you know, average of six rather than average of four. Yeah. Uh, so it becomes, now it becomes down to like, all right, if I want to get a few, a team into regionals, I'm going to have to have a couple of guys that are in the, you know, I don't even I, we could probably do the math on it, but you know, top 100 and a couple of girls yeah. that are in the top 100 and that will probably slide you in. Um, yeah. but before that it was like, I knew teams that had people that were, you know, in the two to 300 ranking in their region. And they were, you know, that third person and you're like, really? How in the world did that happen? <laughs> it just doesn't seem like it yeah, makes yeah. sense. Or like you get to the regionals and you see people that are having trouble with doing muscle ups, for example. Yeah. You know, it's like you get to that, that place. I don't care if you're on a team or not, you should be good at everything. Yeah. And just the, the, the people that make it through are the ones that are exceptional at everything. You know? Yeah. And that's the thing I was thinking too, especially with it being just basically two pairs now, you know, um, I think the standards 
in terms of like what like how strong enough do you have to be what skills do you have to have mastered down like you just said especially if you're not able to do bar muscle ups or ring muscle ups and you're going to regionals i feel like the standard of athlete now to advance is going to be so much higher like this just raises the bar because when you put it to just rely on two partner pairs i feel like not only do you you can't really hide as much like you can't hide your weaknesses as much but also i feel like the competition level is just going to skyrocket it's going to be so much higher in terms of just thinking because you got to think about it too from whether it was dave castro or just everyone else at at the games that did all all the programming like i feel like they're going to be able to do a lot more raw crossfit stuff without having to navigate the logistics of two more people on every single team on the floor. Yep. That was going to be my next, my next statement as well is like the, you know, having programming for, you know, any coach that has the program on a Saturday class knows that, or your, you know, your team workout class knows that how much harder it is each person that you add into that programming. So the difference between Mm -hmm. programming for, in this case, there will be like probably two person programs, right? Two person program yep. is so much easier than a three so person much easier. or a four person. Um, and four person is way easier than, you know, a six person. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I'm with you. The, the programming should become much more interesting. Hopefully we'll see much more. We'll see things that people can do together that aren't just like the freaking worm because the worm yeah, just drives like, me nuts. <laughs> I think the worm was a great tool and they were able to make it work and it definitely challenged folks, but it didn't maximize the athletic potential of these athletes the best. I don't think it showcased nope. their athletic potential the best. And that's what I'm thinking too, especially when you have programming for just two pairs now. like. I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be the, the, the competition is just going to be elevated so much higher. Yeah. And when, when, when you think about that, you're going to have to be so much stronger. You're not going to be able to hide any weaknesses at all. Mm-mm. And for these partner workouts is essentially what they are. If you think about when you watch regionals or even the CrossFit games team series for a lot of the workouts, take the warm out of it. There's a lot of individual rest. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were that, that's going to be cut for sure in terms mm-hmm. of either two people working at a time and then you only have that other pair that's currently mm-hmm. resting. I feel like it's going to cut the amount of time that they normally rest in workouts by at least a third, if not half. Sure. So the intensity is just going to, I think it's going to go up a lot. Right. So let me ask you this then, uh, something that I've kind of been playing with in my head and thought would be interesting is, is having to make teams declare their team before the open. Mm. And I I think this is like, I have people that are, it's a controversial topic in our gym because it's like, to me though, if I'm going to, it's, you could have, you know, five different people contribute to the same team question, you know, and then you send, you know, your top four, or even in this case, you know, you have the males and the females, right? So there's two different sides. So five different people contribute. And then you have, you send two people out of those five. And and then from those that, then you have it, your team and your alternate. And it's like, I don't know. I think it would be really interesting if they had you declare your team before. Okay. 
And then they had team workouts in the open. Ah. You know? Yeah. Because then the open would get more interesting too. Oh, for sure. It would get a lot more interesting. Yeah. Logistically, it would be harder potentially for CrossFit. Yeah. I think that's what they're trying to get away from is they're trying to simplify, especially as the number of participants across the the world continues to grow, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll go into one of the things you're going to bring up in terms of how they changed a couple of the regions. Sure. Yeah. Um, But like, it's just the way it's continuing to grow. I'm sure they all want to simplify rather than (laughs) continue to overcomplicate. Yeah. And I guess it, it comes down to like, is it more, is it simpler to have a workout set up like that? Or is it simpler to have people that do uh, go into the regional as like, Oh, I maybe I'll go team or maybe I'll go individual and then having to sort that out afterwards, you know? Yeah. I don't know, but I always thought it would be fun because I like the team component of it. Like my favorite uh-huh. workouts during the week are Saturdays when we program yeah. team workouts and, mm-hmm you know, we throw down together rather yeah. than having to do, you know, obviously you need to be an individual at times in order to get better at certain things. Yeah. But I don't know if it's, it, maybe it just comes back to my team sport history, but. Well, I mean, I think also if you're able to declare ahead of time, there's a commitment component that allows people to not, not be so out of flexible is not the right word, but people are able to be a lot easier on themselves where, where it's like, if I, if I don't have to declare I'm on the team until I know that I'm at this point, yeah, it's easy to back out still, or it's easy to have excuses. And so it's like from a, from a team lead perspective, I would want people to declare from the, from the beginning and commit all the way through that way. They don't, they don't get the slack off throughout the entire season. Right. Right. So, I mean, I'm thinking about it from, from that aspect. Yeah, that's how I would want to construct a team rather than construct a team of about four or five maybes. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, maybe you want to have the four or five maybes like six months out and then have some sort of in-house competition, you know, because you get this interesting, yeah. <laughs> you get these interesting variables when you have when you sit down with your potential team or people that are want to be on it and then you're like, all right, bust your ass and then do good in the open. And then the next question is if, do you take the people that do the best in the open or do you do the people you take the people that would do the best at regionals? And that yeah, becomes and I, a whole nother. 100%. I agree with you. I'd be like also thinking about, do I take the people with the best scores? Or do I take the people that are actually serious about it? Right. Yeah, <laughs> because that's what I'm thinking about. From like, you might have someone in your gym that got like the best scores in the open, but they they just happen to be naturally naturally gifted and have a terrible team attitude. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that's a, a that's a real there. thing, you know, because like, oh yeah, yeah. Do you take the if, if someone's training and they don't really train with the rest of the group and all what whatnot, and then they they actually contribute, but they don't yeah. do well enough to get to regionals as an individual. Yeah. And they're probably going to be pissed because they're not, you know, being considered for the team, but. And you also have those people that are going die hard for regionals as an individual. And then when they don't perform up to their own standards, try to hop on a team. Right. So it's like, there's a lot of, a lot of interesting team issues there. It gets shifty. It gets shifty. And that's why as somebody that, you know, has to, I guess, make everyone happy or try to, 
Um, that's why I think it would be easier if you had to declare a team going into the competition, you know, on the start of the competition is the open. So if you're like, Hey, these are the four people. And then you have, you know, maybe you get an option for for selecting an alternate or something like that, but you can't go out and above and beyond just in case someone gets injured. Yeah. Yeah. And see what happens. I think that'd be great. Let's go talk to Dave. Yeah, so if Dave Castro, if you're listening, <laughs> you know, let's consider that. What do you say? <laughs> um, yeah, so you mentioned earlier about how they're combining some of the regions. I thought that was interesting, uh, giving yeah. some more slots to different areas, different regions that will get to the games. Um, I haven't heard anything else about that, though. Like, something that I was interested really? in. Well, have you, as far as, like, how they're going to set that up? Yeah, at least I don't know if it's confirmed, but what I had heard was obviously they're opening a lot more spots internationally, especially because right. the, the international participation has just been skyrocketing, uh, especially in Latin America. Um, and from what I heard, they're splitting the Meridian into two different regions because rather than just calling the Meridian all of y- Europe, yeah. <laughs> they decided they couldn't just do a whole continent as one right. region because of how many a- how many athletes are getting from that area. So I think that's going to be split into two. Mm-hmm. And then from what I heard, the biggest thing that was kind of shaking me up, and again, feel free to look this up, but that they're com- going to com- combine California mm-hmm. with Northwest mm-hmm. and Canada West. Yep. yep. And for me, hearing that, kind of blew my mind. Obviously, I don't know what the numbers look like throughout the rest of the country, but I would have felt like the West Coast is the last three regions you wanted to combine because there's always been so many athletes, even just in California alone, mm-hmm. that I know a lot of folks that were upset when they combined Southern California and Northern California. Yeah. Now you're taking the entire state of California, mixing it with the Pacific Northwest region and Canada West. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah, and something that I w- that I'm curious about as well um, is how they've had it in the past. Is they combine these these regions right for the regional, but yeah. still as the open was rec- was you know the requirement for the open, they weren't combined. So they still took you know 15 teams and 15 people from let's say the Northwest and 15 mm-hmm. from Canada West, and yeah. then you went to the super regional. And then they took five people and five teams from the regional, but you didn't have to compete with them to get into the regional. If that uh, makes sense. Yeah, so I yeah. wonder, I'm wondering if that's going to change or not, or if it's going to just going to be like free for all, you know, there's, gonna right? be 40, yeah. <laughs> there's 45 spots or however many they're going to offer. And they're just like, well, if all of those people come from can't or from Canada or from, you know, California. Yeah. Who cares? We got, we got the best ones. So. Yeah, I don't know. It just, it sounded kind of, obviously it sounds like there's still a lot to be announced, especially it sounds like Dave Castro is going to have some new um, announcements for the, the open season as well. But even just hearing that, like I said, I know a lot of folks here, especially in the Northern California area that were, you know, they, they made it to regionals when it was split with Southern California and Northern California. And they've been fighting to get back to California regionals since they combined it because you got, you know, everyone from Southern California now in the same region. And so now with this, I'm like, I haven't, I haven't talked to a lot of folks over in our area yet, but I'm sure it's just, it just makes it so much harder. Mm-hmm. 
especially if you've been clawing your w- w- way back in, then all of a yeah. sudden you realize that the competition's also the entire Western hemisphere of our continent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It makes it interesting, but you know, we'll it does. It. I don't we'll know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I think I would just like to figure out like what were the numbers looking like across all the other regions in the United States that they decided to combine all of these on the West. Cause I just know the West is so that it's so heavily populated with CrossFit athletes. It's so densely populated with competitive athletes. I mean, we've all heard of the athletes that, that have been um, not accused, but people have questioned whether or not they moved out of the Western part of the United States to move to an easier region. Um, but just imagine what that would look like now, mm-hmm. <laughs> how hard <laughs> this region is is becoming. Yeah, I'll move over to Ohio, or actually no, not <laughs> Ohio. That's where that's where Scott Panchik and all them are. So <laughs> I don't yeah. want to go to the central region, but I'll, I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like every region is just it's all getting harder. It's all it getting is. harder. It is. You know, so like gaming is going to be harder and harder to do, yeah. but. I don't know. You just got to... At this they, point, it's like, let's move to Latin America. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't they say that they're only going to get, like, one game spot or something? No, I think they're, they're opening it up to, like, they have, like, a whole Latin American region now. And so I think well, it's going to be, like, two or three. It's not well, going to be they, one. They said that they were opening it up because they had the absolute most CrossFitters in that region, but that they were the worst region. So that they were... Because of that... They they're getting less spots to the games, even though so it would it would do uh, it would, we would do Latin America a favor. Then you're saying if we moved to Latin America, coached there, competed there, there brought go. the standard up, bring yeah. everyone up. Yep, we we should do it. Figure out where you want to go. It. Let's do it. I'll look into it. I got a couple of places. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, uh, let's uh, shift gears here just a little bit so that those people that are listening that aren't as interested in the drama that goes on with CrossFit and the CrossFit How could you not? HQ, <laughs> I don't know how you could not, you know, but I know that I do have a few friends that listen to the podcast that are not actual CrossFit athletes. They're just trying to get better at life. So um, also good. Also good. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so just uh, a few more minutes here and we'll, we'll push you off for the day. But um, quick question, how do you prepare? And this is like a two-part question uh, mm-hmm. that I think most people can, can benefit from is like, how do you, if you walk into the gym and there's a workout on the board, how do you prepare for that workout? Number one, if you're an athlete and number two, if you're a coach. So first, okay. first is like, you know, you walk in, there's Fran on the board or there's like, yep. you know, you're going to work up to one rep max back squat and then you're going to do Fran. And yep. if you're an athlete, what are you thinking? And then if you're a coach and you're going to coach that class, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me, the biggest thing, I think a lot of it, I can, I can contribute to just a lot of the time I spent with you and at Stoneway CrossFit is the mental aspect of preparing for workouts for me has definitely changed and evolved over the past year or so. Um, normally it would be like, uh, let's look at the workout. Oh God, that's going to suck. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just going to close my eyes and go. Yep. 
Um, but it's definitely for me, it's evolved into a, okay, I'll look at what movements are on the board. I'll think about what of those movements I'm good at. But mainly the biggest highlight for me is always identifying the sticking, like the sticking point mm-hmm. in the workout for me. And I, I define that as what's going to be the hardest component of that, whether it's a couple rounds for time, what part of that round is, is, is am I going to be the slowest at? Or if it's a chipper, what exercise am I definitely going to slow down at because I'm not that great at it? Or at what point, if it looks like if it looks like a lot of death, I'll try to figure out where am I going to breathe. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. a, a couple <laughs> of those components, like I said, so I look at what am I good at, what's going to be the sticking point, and where am I able to breathe. Okay. I think those have been the, the biggest things for me. And then if it's, for example, if I saw Fran on the board, I know that I can knock out my chest bar butterflies. I can knock those out easily. I can just easily split them up into two or three sets at, at most, depending on how I felt after the thrusters. But I always know that the thrusters are going to be the hardest part for me because okay. they just feel I, – I, I hate thrusters. <laughs> and so when I look at that, I know what area I'm good at. I know what part I need to – if I, for example, on a 21-15-9, for those thrusters, I'd make sure I, I split those up into no more than two sets, mm-hmm. if at all. And so right. for the thrusters, I would make sure I stuck with that. That's the hardest part is making sure, like, even if the thrusters feel good and like my pre-workout's kicking in and my nutrition's feeling great, I'm like, oh, I hit the first 10, 11 thrusters feeling fantastic, I would still be strict with myself to make sure I hit that break. And gotcha. then I drop it, take take a couple breaths, um, and then go right back to it. I think it's always more important for me to stick with a game plan if it's if it's a if it's an exercise I know that I hate. Because mm-hmm. even if it feels great, I'll stick through it, and all of a sudden I'll hit that lactate threshold that we all know about, yeah. and I won't be able to keep going at all. And then, like I said, the biggest thing is just looking at where am I able to breathe. So for th- for thrusters, it's always at the top. Okay. Yeah. Always at the top. As soon as I have that barbell overhead, take that big breath in before I stop. Start coming back down into that front squat because I'm sure we've all tried to breathe like at the bottom of a front squat. It's not <laughs> convenient at all, but we still try it. It doesn't work well. <laughs> Let me just put 95 pounds on my chest and then try to breathe in. That sounds smart. It's yeah, it's good. Good idea. <laughs> So that's how I would address it as an athlete. And then I think as a coach, the biggest thing I'm looking for is, all right, looking at these movements, what are the most significant joints and muscle groups that I need to be activated and warmed up for these athletes to make sure that they don't run into any mobility issues, they don't run into any cramping issues. Um, And then not only just looking at what needs to be warmed up properly, so kind of planning a warm-up directly around those target points, um, but also looking at who is in the class in terms of how can we scale accordingly. Uh, I've always told you that I'm huge on scaling the the scaling certificate course that CrossFit has online. Uh, one of the best resources I've ever I've ever used. Um, so, if any of our listeners are interested in that, one of our, one of the six or seven online certifications CrossFit offers is specifically on sc- scaling movements for athletes, scaling workouts for athletes. And so, I would look at depending on who's in the class, do we need to scale 
volume. So meaning we go heavier or we go lighter on the mm -hmm. thrusters or do we need to scale movement standards? So if we have some folks that can't squat below parallel yet or they can't do a full strict pull-up yet, who's going to need to do those pull-ups with the band, who's going to need to do jumping pull-ups and always trying to scale the workout accordingly so that it's still very d difficult but they're able to do it. Right. My favorite thing, and I've told you this time and time again, but when workouts are scaled properly, and this is like always like the green light for me, when you scale workouts properly for a diverse class, everyone finishes around the exact same time. Yep. Absolutely. I love, I love that. Yeah. Yep. Me too. Me too. And it, it can be hard to get people wrapped, people's mind wrapped around that. I think that that becomes a technique in and of itself as, as mm -hmm. far as a coach to convince people that they're going to get a better workout if they do it faster and scale a little bit than yep. if they go heavy and they're, you know, lasting, you know, during their friend in 15 minutes exactly. when, it, when it should exactly. be, you know, exactly somewhere around a, I don't even know, five, it's supposed or five to be a minute sprint. workout or something it's like that. It's supposed to be max. a sprint like that. Yeah. yeah. That's the other thing is like, you got to also just have that kind of awareness as a coach, like how long is this workout supposed to take? Right. And so I think one of the biggest things that I don't remember if it was you that I had actually told me this, but I've also started looking at workouts according to like how many total repetitions are there. Mm -hmm. So normally, at least from what I've seen, depending on if they're quick movements, you know, anything from 100 to 150 reps is usually a sprint. Mm -hmm. Anything less than that, the workout is less than 10 minutes for sure. Um, anything in the 200 to 300, 400 rep range, you know, is going to be a, a long 15 to 20 minute burner. Mm -hmm. So I'm always, always looking at that too. So if we're, if it's taken us 20 minutes to do about a hundred repetitions of work, the weight is way too heavy. We did not scale accordingly. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Unless it's some sort of crazy workout that, you know, it's designed to, to put people into a place like that, which every yeah. once in a while is interesting. Every once in a while. Yeah. Um, like for example, there was a, a, a misfit athletics workout recently that was body weight. It was 10 rounds of, 15 reps at body weight bench press and then you ran Jesus. 100 then i think you ran either 100 or 200 meters and then you came okay. back in and you did 15 strict pull-ups oh, that's fun right so it's like even those are slow movements yeah you, you, you have to think about you're just never going to be able to do 10 rounds of that unbroken yeah you know to uh, for sure and it's not designed to be done unbroken like that so you're going to have to just figure out how to do strict movements and and efficiently yeah. slog through them. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I think it was I'm actually, sure. it was like last week I was coaching a couple classes in the morning and the workout was something nice and simple. It was like five rounds for time, 15 thrusters, 15 bar facing burpees. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's just an easy couplet. But then I was also very aware looking at that. I was like, okay, so we got like, we got 15, 15 of the thrusters, 15 of the burpees over the bar. That's 30 reps, 30 reps times five rounds. You got 150 reps there. Yep. But thrusters and burpees 
are slow movements. Yep. They're very, very taxing movements. You're going to want to take a c- c- couple breaks. When you're doing those bur- burpees, people are going to want to rest on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of our athletes are like, this workout's going to take us 30 minutes. Why are you torturing us? And I was like, realistically, we've only got 150 reps here, everyone. I'm going to put a 15-minute time cap on this, and yep. you are still going to finish. And the last athlete, I think, finished at like 12. Okay. And so like one of those things was like, yes, it's still a little bit slower, but when you really think about how many repetitions of work are you actually doing, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's a good little rule of thumb, at least that I've fallen into to figure out if I've never done this workout before, how long will it probably take? I like it. I like it. Yeah. Good stuff, Joe. Definitely good stuff. So I don't want to take uh, any more of your day. I know that we've been on the call here for almost an hour, which is awesome. Good to catch <laughs> up with you. Um, anything else that you want to uh, leave people with or have them check out that you're um, doing? Definitely. If, if there are any CrossFit coaches out there listening, I would say check out all of the online certifications that CrossFit does. I think that they're constantly adding – new courses to that i know sometimes people might fear away from online certifications versus in-person certifications but a lot of the content that crossfit's been putting up on there is actually super 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 helpful but not only that is like the online content once you have access to it and once you complete the course you have lifelong access to that info and those modules mm-hmm. so i think it's really really cool i actually stumbled upon a new, a new one last night on the pose method for mm-hmm. running. Yep. They have an intro course on that now cool. through CrossFit on how to analyze your athletes, um, their running form, their cadence, and their gait. Um, yeah. Really, really cool thing. So a lot of it is just like it's, it's a very, very practical. I think the, the, the course took me about like an hour and a half online, but it, it was definitely like a great intro for those of us that like hate to run whether you're an athlete or a coach um they have just so much awesome stuff on there so definitely go ahead and check it out online crossfit certification i think it's actually just oc.crossfit.com okay yeah and i'll make sure and you know look that up and put it in the show notes at allaroundjoe.com slash 112 and we'll get all those things that we've referenced today on that page. If you want to go and check them out, but that's cool. Just, you know, I've used pose running as well. So yeah, it's great. I learned all about it last night. Nice. Good. (laughs) For the first time. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, thanks Joe. I appreciate your time as always. And uh, thanks for, thanks for catching up with us. Of course. If you need anything from me, you know where I'm at. If anyone's interested into what I'm up to, I actually have a new site up. It's joeward.me. Oh, yeah. That's it. Everything is on there. If you're looking about what I'm doing, again, CrossFit trainer and portrait photographer here in Northern California. Everybody check out joeward.me. I love it. Nice and easy, right? Cool. All right, Joe. Well, we will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Have a good one. The All Around Joe Podcast, where we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. I will see you on the next podcast.